0: enjoying what God's been doing in We Declare War and what God's taking place um, in us and through it. How many of you also know since we said it that all hell has literally tried to break loose as well um, in your lives and make you feel like you just want to give up, right? So I wanted to get into this this morning and we wanted to talk about some things. This morning is all about We Declare War, but it's about strategies, and God began to open up some things to Pastor Brandon and I. And as before he gets into it, I looked up some um, statistics, if you want to say, some different things um, about strategy and just the importance of it. And that's a, that's a big word. It kind of makes you think about, you know, what they do when they go into battle. They take a table like this and begin to roll out maps and all different kinds of stuff and look at where the enemy's territory is and what's going on and what's taking place. You know, they have to know what the plan is, right? And God told me this. He said, A soldier without a plan for action is just a mascot. A soldier without a plan for action is just a mascot. But a soldier with a plan becomes a fighter. A soldier without a plan for action is just a mascot. But a soldier with a plan becomes a fighter. Without strategy, Execution is aimless. Without execution, strategy is useless. Success is 20% skills and 80% strategy. You might know how to succeed, but more importantly, what's your plan to succeed? Benjamin Franklin said this, he said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. Did you know that studies show that two-thirds of Americans do not have a plan for their lives? Two-thirds of Americans don't have a plan at all for their lives. No idea what's going to take place. And I'm not talking like just day-to-day, like what are we going to eat? You know, I'm not talking about that. I mean, that's, a, that's hard enough in itself. I mean, some of us have these huge meal plans and make all these calendars, and then some of us just go to the store and fill our cart with a bunch of junk because we have no idea what we're doing for dinner. We just want to figure it out as we're going. And then some of us don't cook at all. We just go out to eat because we'd rather have somebody else figure it out for us. And then some of us, we can't even figure out what we want to eat. So it's where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Well, where do you? Well, you choose this time. Well, I don't want to choose this time. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I don't. Well, nobody's eating.
1: We need to. are Put food on the cow said moo and just let it spin and land. That's where we're eating today.
0: That's it. You know what I'm saying? We've had
1: great fights over that. Awesome ones. They got because real quiet. Because nobody you else wants to
0: decide. We got real quiet. Except we, for me. Every, are Mom, we the only ones that fight? Mom, you choose.
1: We, didn't I don't think it's a, we got real quiet.
0: I don't think it's a fight. I think it's just oh, like Oh, it's a fight.
1: It's fight. It's fight words. Well, fight first club. of
0: all, all, all I know is when we're sitting there and I say, what do you guys want? And every... I don't know. And I say, well, somebody choose. Let's well, move I on. don't know. Let's move on. No, no. no. We're, we're going to make a point right here. If everybody on their own kind of had an idea and a plan, then one person wouldn't be stuck making it up for everybody else, would they? Can I get an amen? Somebody stand up to that one. Amen. Right? Hey, I'll make a point. Hold on. We got to go here for a second. So we're going to the women's thing tonight, right? (laughs) Mom's not going to be home for lunch
1: because mom's preparing.
0: What What did I say?
1: We all go to the
0: store last night, and guess what I said? What are you all going to do for dinner tomorrow? Well, I don't know. I'm just thankful
1: that somebody got married and there's leftovers in my fridge. Just saying.
0: So we were walking through the store, and Brandon and the girls, Zion wasn't there, so sorry about you, Zion. You're just going to eat whatever they picked out. But they, all I heard was them three, what do you want? Well, I don't know. Well, girls, what do you want? Well, Dad, what do you want? I don't know. And I said, I don't care. If you don't pick something, you're going to starve. I'm, I'm leaving. We're leaving the store. And, but isn't that what it is in our lives? There's so many times we allow the little things in our lives to so make us worried about what the choice is going to be, if it's going to be a right choice or a wrong choice, or the direction is going to be right or wrong, that we just don't make choices at all. We just don't have a plan. We just don't even try. It's just like, whatever, You know what I'm saying? We're we're all these hippies anymore about what's going on in the world because we don't have a plan. You know what I'm saying? Um, It's like food Woodstock. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody understands what's going on in life. And, And that's what's sad about that is so many Americans anymore don't have a strategy for what they're following. They don't have an idea where they're going. You can see it very clearly in the world right now that there is not a clear plan of what is going on in our world.
1: There was not a clear plan what just happened across the world. It's sad. You See what I'm saying? I mean, strategy is so important.
0: And what we have to realize is that the enemy has a strategy of his own, and we have to understand that if we choose to go into battle without a strategy... We have already set ourselves up to fail because we didn't even try before we started. If any of you have ever read the book, The Art of War, or or heard of it, um, the guy who wrote it is pretty much, he says, is a soldier wins in his mind first before he ever wins on the field. And the fact of it is, is if your mind doesn't have any strategy to follow, then we are wandering aimlessly through life. Strategy is important. One of the things I wanted to read to you, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. See, we know this scripture, but it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a hope, a future and a hope. And what's crazy about that is it doesn't read anywhere in it, not for me. I don't read it where it says, Jennifer knows the plans she has for her, says the Lord. It doesn't say that anywhere. It doesn't say that Remnant Church knows the plans they have for them, says the Lord. It doesn't say Brandon knows the plans he has for him. It doesn't say any of that. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And the fact of it is, is that if we don't understand where our strategy is coming from, then what happens is we are directionally guiding ourselves nowhere because it is literally has no target to hit because we're setting it for ourselves and not following what the king has said. See, what's funny is you can read and know scripture all you want, but do you know it? Do you know in your mind that God has your plans laid out? Or do you get up in the morning and try to just figure it out as you go, not ever even asking him what his direction is for your day? And yes, do we have normal things? You can be saying, well, Jen, I go to work every day. Yes, I know you go to work every day. Jen, I have kids that I deal with every day. Yes, I know you may have children or school, or you may have, you know, your family and things. You can have the same things you deal with every day, but it may not be the same strategy that you need today that you used yesterday and for tomorrow may not be the same. And if you don't ask God how to get through it, then oh my Lord, when somebody says what's for dinner, Mama about to lose her head. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a strategy of how do we prepare and better plan. Maybe I don't have a meal plan for that night. That may not be my strategy, but my strategy could be God give me patience and help me keep my cool. Do you see what I'm saying? It's all different. Every season is different, and strategy is important. Proverbs 16 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. It doesn't matter what you do, God determines where you go. So I want you to turn with us in Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 through 12. we're going to get into this about a man of God who had to know the strategies of the Lord for his daily basis, for his seasons. It says, at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites once again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites on the hill of the the foreskins. This is why Joshua had to circumcise them. All the men old enough to fight when they left Egypt died on the journey through the desert after they left Egypt. Now all the men who left were circumcised, but all the sons born on the journey through the desert after they left Egypt were uncircumcised. Indeed, for 40 years the Israelites traveled through the desert until all the men old enough to fight when they left Egypt, the ones who had disobeyed the Lord died off. For the Lord had sworn a solemn oath to them that he would not let them see the land that he had sworn on an oath to give them, a land rich in milk and honey. He placed, replaced them with their sons, whom Joshua circumcised. They were uncircumcised. Their fathers had not circumcised them along the way. When all the men had been circumcised, they stayed here in the camp until they had healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have taken away the disgrace of Egypt from you. So that place is called Gilgal, even to this day. So the Israelites camped in Gilgal and celebrated the Passover in the evening of the 14th day of the month of the plains of Jericho. They ate some of the produce of the land the day after Passover, including unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped appearing the day they ate some of the produce of the land, and the Israelites never ate manna again.
1: My goodness. So we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years next week. And I'm telling you right now, I struggled with this, just tossing this around. We were going to do something else, but I have to to get into this because we're not going to be, this message is way more important than next week. It will lead us into next week. And I hope today you have an ear to hear. I hope you have an ear to hear. We need to follow after God's strategies, not yours. We've known what our strategies have done, we've seen where they've taken us, we've had issues with them, we've fell flat on our face in our own strategy. If your comfort is more important than your blessing, then you will never receive your blessing. Are you ready today? Let me get my canteen going. Oh, that's old. Yes, Lord. You will never receive your blessing. Your blessing does not exist... (laughs) Oh, Jesus. ...in the parameters of your comfort. Let me say that again. Your blessing does not exist in the parameters of your comfort. When we declare war... It gets us out of the comfort zone. Because when war is declared, things have to shift and people have to go. People have to get up. And it gets us out of the comfort zone. Those of you willing to get out of your comfort zone, God is going to do a new thing in your life. Amen? The book of Joshua is one of my favorite books that in Ephesians they kind of parallel it is one of my favorite books it is a book for people who are ready to possess the land for people that are ready to say we declare war a book that f- is fueled by faith a people about to slay something a book With people that are ready to take something, overcome something, and do something they've never done before. That is this book. That's my favorite book. A book that openly says if you are going to possess the promises of God, you have to be prepared to fight for it. God has His promises. Are you today prepared to fight for it? We can't come next week and just be like, we're, we're going to celebrate what God did. Ten. We're not here to just, we, we, we will do some reminiscing, but God has got something in store. I'll just tell you this. If it's easy, then anybody could do it. If it's easy. The people we're talking about in the text that we just read are the children of of the people that escaped Egypt. It's mind-blowing. Blows my mind reading this over and over and listening to it while I do other things. How the people could see so much of God's power, so much of God's goodness, they escaped Egypt and still fell short of the promises of God. Could see all that he had done all that God did with all the plagues in Egypt before they even left then he splits the Red Sea and when the enemies try to follow them to their future he drowns them in the sea or can I say when the their past try to catch up to their future he drowns them in the sea See, we need to let our past just go ahead and get drowned out by the power of God. It's, it's got to, because it's killing you guys. God even gave them a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, because it is really hot in the desert. And it gets un- really crazy, but it gets really cold also in the desert. So he's got a huge pillar, as high as your eye can see, of fire just swarming within distance of them, and the heat off of that is just keeping them warm because they don't have their blankets and pillows and sleeping bags. They just laid where they laid, but the warmth covered them of God's presence, and a cloud would follow them throughout the day so they weren't burnt and they weren't just so jacked up from the heat. It gives them warmth. It gives them shade. God had some climate control, God made bitter water sweet so they could drink it, so it would be good for them. When they couldn't drink it, it was all jacked up. He turns it sweet enough so that it could quench their thirst. God allowed water to come out of a rock. He's so good, he makes the first water fountain. Gets water out of a rock, and this rock follows them and and has water for them out of a rock. That's the God that the the people of Israel were following. There are some things God does for you in your life just to show you that he's God. Just to show you that he's God. To prove to you that he is able to deliver you. Isn't it crazy that God can do spectacular things for people who remain unthankful? Kind of like us. Sometimes the people you do the most for treat you the worst. You almost feel kind of what God felt. You do so much and they treat you the worst. Imagine how God must feel when he brought you through hell and high water and you forgot him and went back to doing your old thing. They're getting quiet now. (laughs) The book of Hebrews kind of puts it in a, in a perspective. I'm just going to just kind of say it. Puts it in a perspective about that situation. Basically, the, P, the problem with the children of Israel was the word was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. That was the problem. There was not faith mixed in to the word. They saw all that God did. Complain, complain, complain. And you would have thought after the first plague, it was good enough. You would have definitely thought when the sea opened up, it was definitely good enough. You would have thought when manna fell from heaven, the best bread you could possibly have, your grandma's bread ain't got nothing on that, that they would have just known. But then they complain and they need ravens to go ahead and send them some, God's like, here's some birds to send you some other stuff. You would have thought. And how God feels. And, and, And here's the reality of that. He got tired of their unbelief and he decided to let their carcasses drop in the wilderness. That's the reality of what happened. All of the generation except for two died in the wilderness. These are not those people we're talking about in Joshua. These are their children. These are not the people born in Egypt. These are the generation of people born on the run between two locations. (laughs) What's crazy is they weren't even indoctrinated by the I guess the philosophies and all the teachings of Egypt. And because they were born in the wilderness, they weren't even overwhelmed by, by the power of the promised land because they had not obtained it yet. So they're, they're stuck in between. They were between this and that. Stuck between. Have you ever been stuck between? Have you just been stuck somewhere where you're just between a situation? You're stuck in the middle. You're stuck. There's some people that are stuck and they're comfortable being stuck in like nothingness. They're just comfortable with it. Man, there's some marriages stuck. Relationships stuck. It's not quite this. It's not quite that. Just stuck. And see, what's crazy is the Lord, he doesn't even like it. He does not like that. Because, he says, you're either going to be hot or you're going to be cold. Because if you're lukewarm, stuck, I'm going to spew it out of my mouth. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. These young people have now came to the testing ground. There's always strategies to do something. Isn't it funny how you can think in your mind that you escaped going through what other people go through? You escaped going through what they're going through. If you're not careful, it can make you arrogant though. But if you just keep on living, sooner or later, you will have to face something That shakes you to your knees. Causes you to lift your hands and say, God, I need you like never before. Sooner or later. And here's the thing. You don't have to take a class on prayer. You don't have to learn and understand the Hebrew and the Greek word of prayer. When you get in enough trouble, you will know how to pray. Let's just be real about it. You know how to pray. It just comes out of your mouth. you are like, help! Help! Say it with me. Help! You will know how to pray. You don't need this elaborate prayer that's going to, Dear Heavenly Father who controls the winds and the waves and has the time in his hand and as your cloak fills the, No, when you're in trouble, you're like, God, help! i need to light three candles and set the tune for Maverick City so I can get that good worship going. I need help now. I don't need anything else. Help. Have you ever been in that kind of trouble? And then it's an emergency, and all you can yell is help. And it's, it, it's serious, and you just got to pray to God, shaking you to your knees because you need the help And see, listen, your distress signal might bother the people around you. And even the person next to you. But when you get in enough trouble, you don't care who it bothers. You need help. It doesn't matter. You need help. See, what's crazy is blind Bartimaeus didn't care. He's yelling, help, Jesus, son of David. It didn't matter who he bothered because it was bothering the disciples real bad. It did not matter to him. I need help. I need Jesus. Help! Shout help. help. Come on, don't be too delayed. Good morning. Here's the problem in the text. The ones that died in the wilderness might not have had a great faith, but they could fight. They could fight. The text says that all the generation that knew how to fight died in the wilderness. These young people did not have the skills to go along where life had brought them now. A lot of them were farmers, a lot of them were just trying to survive. They didn't have the skill set. What do you do when your skill set doesn't match your situation? What do you do when your job asks you to do something that you don't know how to do? Because all you've done is talked your way into the job. But you don't know how to perform the function that the job requires. Because we talk a big game at the front of the job and don't perform it. What do you do? When your skill set doesn't match up with what you got going on? What do they do when they're, they're, they're in the wilderness get ready to fight and none of them fight? What do you do when you're, you're fine enough to get married but you don't have the skill set to be a good wife or a good husband? Man, got. let me say that one more time. You're fine enough to get married but you ain't got the skill set to be a good husband or a wife. What do you do? What do you do when your situation outgrows your skill set? What do you do? Now you've been put in a position which you have not been prepped for. And I think this is where a lot of people fall apart. Because I don't know what to do, so if I don't know what to do, I just go under here and hide. Hey. And we give up. We get stuck again in the middle. See, listen, I don't need faith for what I know I can do. But when my life has put me in a situation, I need faith. When my life has put me in a situation, I need help. Help. They were in Gilgal. It was the last stop before the promised land. Sitting in this place. Gilgal, the last stop they've they've made it over and here they are sitting waiting and can I just say something to you church before next next week, this is your last stop before the promised land (laughs) I think they want to stay there I guess let me say that again because I don't think your ears heard me this is your last stop before the promised land, (laughs) amen man that's good Hallelujah. Woo! But see, this is the problem we have. People don't know how to function anymore. Get excited for the promised land and the goodness of God. We're we're too too bougie for it. We're too wrapped up. I wonder what they're going to think. I don't care. I will get undignified for that promised land. I've I've come too far not to get over there. This is the last stop before the promised land. The last week before we go over and cross over to year 10, this is the last stop. Can't you see it? Can't you see the walls are just right over the corner? This is the last stop. You're right on the edge. You're right on the verge. If you get this right, your breakthrough is on the other side. If you get this right, something's about to happen. Let me say that again. Something is about to happen. See, God's got us trying. He's been trying for years. You get so complacent. You got to put some oil on your joints. He's trying to stir you up. Something is about to happen. Quit sitting idle, quit sitting with you. Amen. <laughs> Amen help you're scared because I'm shouting but get excited about the things of God something's about to happen and you've got to get excited about who he is man we're so consumed with culture these days we're way more consumed to be excited about everything else and if you're a young person you're definitely excited when your numbers go up when you're trending and all that kind of stuff but be excited about the things of God and the promise that he has for you That's what's exciting, nothing else. Grandpa, I'm sorry, I'm yelling. I love you. (sighs) Something's about to happen. At the moment that they were about to possess the promised land, was also the moment they ran into the biggest problem they've ever faced, the biggest crisis they've ever faced. When you see it, and you know it's right on the edge, and you know like God's called you to do, you you face the biggest problem. Isn't it funny how it can be the best time and the worst time, all at the same time? In your life, at that same moment? Isn't it funny how things can be going so wonderful on this side, and all hell break loose on this side, this and that, stuck. Let me break it down for you so you can see this. Here they are about to possess the promised land with no experience to match with the opportunity that's at hand. Sometimes an opportunity is not a blessing if you're not prepared for it. We jump, off, we, we jump too fast for opportunities. We've gone and quick opportunities. But is it an opportunity or is it just your emotions doing tricks on you again? got to be in God's will and the whole thing. And you have to stay focused for what God called you to do. And so these opportunities come and it's like, it, it, am I prepared for it? It's a terrible thing for a door to swing open and you're not prepared to go in it. They wouldn't listen they wouldn't have been afraid to fight their fathers fought and like we said last week they fought Amalekites that beat them half to death Joshua took some men and they just went for it that was the first time they really did anything so well, they weren't kind of afraid to do it but they weren't skilled at it and here's what's crazy is now they're getting ready to come up against Jericho Jericho a big old city with huge walls. Shut up. All shut up. You ain't getting in. You ain't getting out. Walls that surrounded the city. They said that Jericho was so advanced that they had chariots running around the top of the walls. So if you could fit a chariot, those walls had to be pretty pretty wide. And you're dealing with a bunch of farmers with some pickaxes and other things they created in the wilderness wandering in the wilderness about to fight with no experience it couldn't have been that they could have took on the other cities that were a lot smaller god's got them right here to take on the biggest city and watch it fall first the most fortified place and if that was not enough which that was enough It's in Gilgal that Joshua goes out I'm going to take a deep breath and gets a flint stone and sharpens a knife to circumcise all the men. If that wasn't enough. Now you already can't fight and you're getting circumcised at the same time. I don't know why, but that hurts me in my core right now. We, we see you girls. you comfortable. That's cool. You said they're comfortable. I know. I know. I know what you're going to say. Just let me, let me go. I know what you're about to say. We can fight. We're about to fight. And now we're getting circumcised. Circumcision is very important in the Bible. Circumcision is a sign of a covenant. Means that I bear in my body the marks of the Lord. It was a sign of a covenant. It is not the covenant. It was a sign. Let me get, make clear of that. It was a sign of the covenant. It gives me a distinct distinction in the Old Testament from the covenant from a covenant a person made or did not make. It separates you. Circumcision was quite important. In the New Testament, it rep- it was rep- circumcision was represented by baptism. And we're going to be soon putting a date out for baptism, just throwing it out there. It's a symbol of putting away the filth of the flesh, the filth of the flesh, the part that serves no real purpose, the part that has no reproductive properties in it, just flesh, no life in it, just flesh. Isn't it funny how sometimes that as things that have no life can still cause much pain, Let me break it down. Isn't it funny how relationships that have no life in it can still cause you much pain? It's hard to give stuff up. Even when stuff you're giving up is something you don't need, it's still hard to give up stuff. You have to understand that in the scripture, circumcision is normally done, you hear me, church? Is normally done from a father to a son. In the Old Testament, it was done from the father to the son. So when the Bible takes the time to tell you the reason Joshua, who is not their father, had been left with the task to circumcise them is because their father had died in the wilderness and he died without circumcising their sons. So Joshua is left to circumcise all these men according to the scripture they should have been circumcised at 8 years or at 8 days old these children should have been circumcised pretty pretty soon out of the womb but when you don't get what you should have got when you were a boy it is so much more painful to have to go back as a man and Try to fix a boy problem. Now you can take that both ways, and ladies, don't act like you're exempt. Think about this spiritually, because what you didn't get when you was a child, you've got to go back and fix your child problems as an adult. It's out of sequence. It's out of sequence. At eight days old, yeah, you circumcise them, they cry, they squirm, you put a bottle in their mouth, they shut up. They go to sleep, they heal. That's what happens, basically they eight days old. But now you're an adult who is about to get circumcised, that's a whole different dilemma. You didn't get what you should have got as a child. And now messed you up as an adult. Just as you are on the verge of possessing your dreams, you have to take a break and have to fix a child problem. I'm telling you, God wants to fix problems today before the promised land tomorrow. You got a week to get your affairs in order. My, oh my. Because it didn't get fixed when it was a child. And we've made our life, we have forced this this cycle of of our life. And that's how we live now. Because this happened when I was a kid. And it's wrapped around my life now. And this is my attitude because of this moment back here. And God's like, I have a strategy. But i got to take you back to fix what didn't happen when you were a kid. But as an adult, let him do it. Hey! Help! It wouldn't be bad if it wasn't such a personal problem. It wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't so personal. You know, it's all right when you have a problem and you go public with it, but when it's personal, it's a different ballgame. Wouldn't be so bad. But you're dealing with a personal problem. On the outside, you're on the verge of a blessing, but on the inside, you have a major problem. Woo! And here they are. Oh, now Joshua having to go and fix their problem that their father should have fixed when they were a kid. Here they are. In this moment, having to fix something that should have been dealt with years ago. And you wonder why sometimes churches struggle. Because we're broken. And some of the stuff that wasn't even our fault. Things that happen, and, but God's like, listen, the strategy I'm trying to do, you've got to go back, though. We've got to do something to fix what didn't happen when you were a child. I guarantee those men were like, "You got to be kidding me! I'm a grown man, and you gonna to try to be cutting down there?" I love, I love God, but God told him, He said, "You're gonna circumcise every one of them, every one of them, because that was the covenant, that was the deal." But the good thing about God. Is that even when you didn't get what you should have got, when you should have got it, God has a way of making it up to you. Amen? Listen, somebody here knows what I'm talking about. Amen? I didn't get it, but I made it anyway. I had to crawl by myself, and I made it anyway. I had to deal with my own issues, but I made it anyway. Ain't it funny how God will bring somebody in your life to replace what you didn't get when you should have got it? See, that's why I give him praise. That's why I praise the Lord. You're like, man, this guy is crazy. He's broken eight sticks. Sorry, Dakota. But because you don't know why I pray, it's because of what he's done and brought into my life. I don't praise Him because of my clothes. I don't praise Him because of my house, because of my shoes. I praise Him because of His mercy and because of His grace. That's why I praise the Lord. I don't praise Him because of anything else. Your Joshua is coming to make up the difference. Church, it's coming to make up the difference between from where life left you And where your destiny is taking you. He's making up the difference. See, you're too close to where God is going, and God says, I can't let you go in. You're too close to the promised land, and He says, I can't let you go in in the shape you're in. I can't let you go in in that shape you're in. There had to be a strategy. So I have to bring you to Gilgal so I can fix stuff. I have to bring you to this place so I can fix stuff. And if you let me fix you, your eyes haven't seen, your ears have not heard what the Lord can do for you if you just let me fix it. That's what he says. If you just let him fix it. But I'll tell you this, fixing stuff hurts. Fixing stuff hurts. Being angry is easier than saying I'm sorry. Sometimes when you have to go back and fix stuff, it hurts because your flesh has got to die. You hear me? They got to spiritually circumcise that flesh to die off so you can fix what God has in store for you so you can get into the promised land. And maybe you've questioned a lot of stuff and wondered why am I still stuck in this situation? Why am I still going through this? I've been years, I've been a Christian this long because you have not let God fix the stuff that needs fixed. There's a strategy. Take off the old flesh. Let him fix it. Let him fix it. It has to die. And even though you don't need it, sometimes it hurts to lose your toys. T-O-Y. My God. Temptations of your youth. T-O-Y. Hurts to lose your toys. Those temptations of your youth. So here they are. They have come to Gilga, which was a place. It gets its name, which means circle. This whole situation was named after that. this circle. It's a place where the circle of the flesh was cut, preceding their next move of destiny. It's a place where they recovered what they didn't get in their past so they could be released to go into their future. It's that place. But the problem is they are now here and they're hurting. And the Bible says that they stayed in Gilgal while they healed over what they lost. They stayed and healed over what they lost. At a time when most preachers will tell you all of what God will give you, I want to tell you today what he will take from you. It's not popular. It's not even going to be trendy. (laughs) But on your way towards heaven, on this path that we call life, there's stuff that he will cut away. There's stuff that he wants to prune and we like that tree that we've made. It's good, but listen, this one part's dysfunctional because if he can just clip that off, you can grow even higher than you've ever been before. But you've got to be willing to let go of that thing from the past that has held you up. Let him hold you! Help! Some stuff you thought you would never lose, but it has to go for what God is going to do next in your life. I thank God for some of the stuff that He has had me get rid of. Old relationships I was involved in. Thank the Lord, I'm not there. Old stuff he cut away. See, we're trying to praise him for all the stuff. Praise Him for what He took away from you. Man. See, He's not gonna be your Santa Claus. Just keep giving you stuff to play with. Without making you man up or woman up and cut away what is standing between you and your destiny and your purpose. We get comfortable just playing with the toy and watch the train go round and round. He's trying to cut something. Cut it away. Holler, cut it away. Cut it away. away. you got to cut it away. Cut it away. Cut it away. My goodness. Without other people, I mean, while other people are shouting about what they've been given, I think it needs to get a little louder about the things the God t- took away. Getting cut hurts. It hurts, you cry. And in the end, he's wanting to bless you. Getting cut hurts. I am so thankful, like I said, that things were cut away. Church, let him cut it away. He wants to cut it away. Cut it away. Cut him away. Cut her away. Cut that relationship away. Sometimes you gotta cut a friendship away. God will do whatever it takes. Cut it away. There's a strategy, and we declared war. Gotta cut it away. He wants to take you to the promised land. I think sometimes you just got to have a, like a, almost like a cutaway praise in your own self. <laughs> like of what he's done that he's cut away. And we got so worked up trying to make it all, fit. he's trying to cut it away. You ever break something and you try to get the super glue and try to glue it all back together and make it work and your hands are stuck to it and, and it's just, it's here. It's all dysfunctional. I think that's what happens when God tries to cut things out of your life and you keep trying to glue them back to yourself. Cut it away. It's gone for a purpose. The leaf that falls off the tree isn't going to come back on. Quit trying to put it back on and think that leaf's going to turn green again. Cut it away. Whew. Cut it away. Losing stuff is only a sign that something is better is coming. They got cut, they got hurt. They had to heal up because something better was coming. They were right in reach of the promised land. The next part says, when they got healed, y'all in here? The next part says, when they got healed, after they got a little healed up, this says that they ate corn from the promised land. And when they tasted what it was in front of them, What is in front of you? Do you hear what? They ate corn from the promised land after they got healed up. What's in front of you? You look too much to the past of your past mistakes or anything you've been doing. You don't even see what's right in front of you. How did these people eat corn out of the promised land? Because... If they're eating corn that is just in the promise, they didn't have a store. They're like, you know, we're going to hit up Kroger's, grab some corn and, you know, throw that down a little bit. They did not have that. If they're eating corn from the land, it must have been promised time and promised land and harvest time. It must have been harvest time because right now in my life, when I drive around, all I see is corn. It is in the harvest time that they're doing this. And isn't it just right on on time with what's happening right now? We are about to embark in harvest time in our country. They're seeing the corn right in front of their face. And they're eating from it with what is in front of them. They're eating corn from the land that is harvested. Have you ever had God give you a foretaste of a place That you haven't quite been there yet. But he gave you a little sample of it. I call it vision. You're not there yet, but you can see it. See, I believe if you can see it, the invisible, you can do the impossible. Have you closed your eyes and opened your vision and seen what God can do? You can't help people that can't see nothing. You can't help people that can't see. You all walking around trying to hold somebody and they can't see nothing. You can't help people that don't see nothing. I believe if you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. But you can see something, you can do whatever you see. If you close your eyes and open your vision, you can see it. And if you can see it, you can do whatever you see. <laughs> it's almost that prayer, Lord, I don't want to be hooked up with somebody who ain't seeing nothing because it's going to drag me down. I don't want to be around somebody that's not seeing something because it's, it's going to drag me down. Give me somebody who can see Ask your neighbor. Can you see it? Ask him. Now you're going to get a little bit louder now. we we ready. Can you see it? Can you see it? I'm almost where I want to be. I'm almost where I want to be. But what I want you to understand is that the moment that they tasted the corn in front of them, it's right in front of you guys. The moment they tasted the corn in front of them, the manna that had been blessing them ceased. No more. You guys gonna to have to turn that down a little bit. Because I, I still got a, a couple more things to say. The manna ceased. No more manna. The moment. Here's what the Lord says: don't be afraid. When your old blessing stops Because it's a sign that a new one's coming Don't be afraid When the old blessing stops It's a sign that a new one is coming It's beginning It's about to happen So now let's set the stage We got a bunch of young men Who have no skills To match up with the situation They're poorly equipped For where life is taking them They're trying to be something that they don't know how to be. They're trying to be something that they don't know how to be. And nothing is funnier than seeing my son when he was a little bit younger trying to walk around in daddy's shoes trying to be something that he don't know how to be yet. Clomping around in big shoes. Look dad. Not knowing how to be. But isn't that what most of us do? Play a role and act like something on the outside and that's not happening on the inside? So God brings them to Gilgal. And so that the inside of them could catch up to what was going on on the outside of them. Because when you your persona gets bigger than the person, then who you have become will kill you, will kill who you are. Let me say it again. When the persona gets bigger than the person, then who you've become will kill who you are. You can't let your persona get bigger. Because all of your accomplishments have nowhere to rest when your accomplishments are bigger than who you are. So he brings them to Gilga. That they catch up to what their life has been missing. And it's because life keeps moving too fast. Now here's the situation. I'm closing. They have no skills to go forward. But they have a situation to go forward. They just went under the knife. Just had a painful surgery, to say the least. They've had a job change. Now they're fighters. They've had a provision change. Now they have to get the food and eat it. They're not getting what they used to get. They're getting it from somewhere new. And God says, You have to make a choice. Either you're going to resort back to your old place and remain comfortable and miss your opportunity, or you're going to have to want it bad enough to get out of your comfort zone and follow God's strategy. You have a choice. I'll tell you this, every major blessing that I've ever received, I've gotten, in a way it's made me uncomfortable. It was always far out of my comfort zone. And what's crazy about that now is that I'm addicted to being uncomfortable. I don't want that comfort anymore. If it don't scare me, I don't want to do it. If it ain't edgy and half crazy, it ain't happening. I'm not interested in it. But it's something I can't pull off by myself. I got to stay up all night and pray about it. It keeps me awake. The things that God wants to do. And so here they are, they've, they've had all this happen, so they're in the promised land, but the promised land requires that you forsake your comfort to attain your destiny. And that's why most people never evolve. Let me say it again, most people don't evolve because they like their comfort. They don't want to forsake their comfort. And they'll go through the motions. Excellence requires discomfort, church. Excellence requires discomfort. Listen, you're going to be sore, but you're still going to get there. You're going to have to learn how to be satisfied with the new cuisine, the new meal that you have to provide. Because listen, God said, I'm no longer feeding you from heaven like that the way I did feed you. You're going to have to do it. I know it's going to hurt. I know you're still hurting. But there's a wall that has to come down. Something has to get cut. Something has to be destroyed. I want to take you to the promised land. you ready for this church? For the first time in my life, I started to really understand what the wall of Jericho was all about. (laughs) We've read this wall. There's a breakthrough on the other side. We get hype about the breakthrough, but we forget there's a fight after the breakthrough. You want that breakthrough? You better be ready to roll up the sleeves and swing something. Because you're about to fight whatever's on that other side of that breakthrough. I started to understand something. You remember the strategy God gave him at Jericho. Okay? It's the only city in the Bible that was taken down through that plan. The only city ever. That plan alone. He said, I want you to march around the city, the wall, once a day for six days. Go around once and go back and sit down. See, at this point, I never took in consideration that these boys just been under the knife and if they had fought their way in they would not have been ready for that battle if they would have went right from that moment these boys just got under the knife if you know anything about adult circumcision for real they say it's one of the most painful things and it takes a while to heal They wouldn't have been prepared to fight if they would have just walked in and like we're going to climb the wall and fight. They just had a major surgery and I started to think about this. Suddenly, I realized, church, that God has taken my pain into consideration. He takes our pain into consideration. See, hold up. All you functional people, You probably don't understand what I'm talking about. But us dysfunctional people, (laughs) I hope you know what I'm talking about. God said, I know you're dysfunctional I know you're not well yet but if you just follow my advice if you you just take the strategy I'll give you even for a wounded person I will still take this you will still take this city as a wounded person just follow my strategy just march once and go sit down and rest I know you've been under the knife just walk around don't say a word walk slow walk steady and sit down I know you just had something dramatic happen to you, but just keep walking for six days and then sit down. Rest. Sit down. So all you well folk, just give us dysfunctional folk a moment to take this in. Let me say it one more time. God has taken your pain into consideration. My, oh my. My, oh my. Makes them walk one time. Go sit down. Go walk and sit down. We're just thinking that they're walking like, what the heck's going on here? But nobody ever thinks about the fact that these men had a knife and was getting cut up and have to heal. But God knew the strategy. We didn't know it. He knows the plans, says the Lord, to prosper you. That's what he says. And at the end of the first walk, they rested. And on the seventh day, they were feeling better. I know I can't fight good, but the battle's not mine anyway. It's the Lord's. It belongs to the Lord. And he said, after you walk seven days, on the seventh day, walk around that seven times. And after you walk around it seven times, he says, if You will shout, you will take the city if you will shout. And sometimes you look at me and you're like, Man, this church, this guy's yelling. Because when I when I hear about God saying, if you just shout, the city's gonna come, the city's gonna change up. You're gonna take hold of the city. We gotta shout. There's a whole city waiting. You gotta shout. Because this is a spiritual battle. So your shout, your war cry, we declare war, is going to take the city. If you just shout. I'm talking shout where you can't breathe anymore. Ah, screaming. When your kid works so hard to do that very thing you saw him do. And make a play or kick a field goal or put it in the net. or And you're like, whoa! Yeah! You did it! Where all they hear is you just, if you will just shout you will take the city and when you take the city God has a plan again another strategy just shout I don't know who I'm preaching to today you all can stand with me I know you've been sitting your booties are all tired and stuff and stand on up I don't know who I'm preaching to But I'll tell you this, the rest of the year, God is going to try to, he's trying to take you out of your comfort zone. 2021, the rest of this year, he's taking you out of your comfort zone. If you just quit turning around and look forward, your provision is right in front of you. They ate what was in front of them. Yes, do you have to go somewhere and heal up? That's where they went. And they were still healing as they were walking. That's why he told them to March. As we declare war, as we follow the strategies of God, don't fight in your flesh, but fight in the spirit. Lift it up in prayer. If you call on the name of the Lord, he will deliver you. He will. What needs cut? It's time to step into the strategy. What needs cut? Help! What needs cut? What is God trying to do? And for some of you, that was pretty deep, because what has happened to you when you were younger that didn't get fixed? That's real deal. Do you don't want to live the rest of your life like that because something happened and it didn't get taken care of? The city was shut up. The walls again were wide enough to take a chariot over it. The men had no experience, and was under the knife. They had been in grief. Listen. They've been in grief. They've been under the knife. They lost Moses. They they lost their fathers. They lost their foreskin. They lost their manna. They lost everything. They had lost a lot of stuff, and they're about to take a city. And we can get so stuck in, like, I'm not doing this, or I'm not a part of this, I'm not. And and what you've lost. they lost so much. Listen, just because you've had a series of losses don't mean you're not on the verge of the next win. See, the Bible says they marched around. Six days, once a day, on the seventh day, they marks seven times, and, and then God does something crazy because his strategies are, his ways are higher than your ways, because if they were my ways, I, my way would have probably been different than his way, but he does something crazy. You're already out of your comfort zone. You're already half sore from walking. You're already uh, about to fight someone who's uh, more skilled than you, and God says, I want You to believe me so much that when you shout in front of these walls that haven't even moved. I want you to believe in me so much that when you take a shout, that you know by faith that these walls are going to move. You're going to shout in front of a wall that has not fallen yet. I want you to just to shout. To have that kind of faith. If I could say anything, I want you to follow the strategies of God when it doesn't make sense. And most of the time, let's just be real about it, it doesn't make sense. Because our minds and our thought pattern do not add up to His, but He tries to give you glimpses of things, and He just wants you to follow the strategy. He might have to take you to Gilgal to get healed up and get ready for the blessing. And when you're ready, he needs you to turn forward and face forward to grab your provision and get ready to walk around and take on the city. Anybody can thank him for a wall that's already been torn down. Anybody can shout, and be like, he tore it down, yeah! But here's the test of your faith. After all the stuff that they have lost, after all the stuff that you have lost, and all the things you've been through, and all the things that has happened to you along the the road, along the path to this point right here in this place, no matter who you are, we all have had losses. We've all been through it. No matter how pretty you are, no matter how sophisticated you are, you've had a loss. No matter how rich you are, you've had losses. They may not be on the other side, but on the inside. They may not be on the outside, but on the inside. You bear scars from the stuff you've lost on the way. Maybe nobody sees it, but it's on the inside. And I'll tell you this, God says this. God says to them in the face of all this, I want you to believe me so much that you praise me as if I had brought down something that is still standing right in front of your face. Hallelujah. I want you to praise me as if it's been brought down, but it's still standing right in front of your face. Your frustration still in front of you. I want you to shout it down. Your, 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 situ- your health problem is right in front. I want you to shout it down. I want you to have enough faith to look right at it dead in the eyes and say, go! No! We win! You have to open your mouth to God. I just want to tell you real quick, these altars are open, and I know some of y'all have been swarming because I know God's wanting to do something, and y'all should are, some of you already should have been down here, and you know it for a fact, as I was preaching, that don't faze me, I don't care, but if you, you know that there's some things that need healed, there's some stuff that didn't get fixed when you was a child, come to this altar. Your promised land. I'm telling you right now, you got seven days to get your affairs together. But listen, God can do all this right now in this moment. And all you can do is turn around and eat the provision and get ready for what is about to happen next week here at Remnant Church. Could it be that this is the last week in Gilgal before God does something and erupts this entire place? Could it be? What's the healing that needs to take place? What's the, that that stop was for a purpose? I need you to get it sharpened. Because listen, the, the Bible says that Jesus, He's the great physician. He divides between bone and marrow. He knows what needs cut. But I tell you right now, it's not comfortable to just put yourself out there and lay yourself on the table and say, God, do whatever you gotta do. I have faith. Or even to have the faith to yell when the wall isn't down yet and you're looking at it, this wall ain't down, that wall's still standing. That mountain ain't moved yet. But do you have the faith to get in front of that thing and yell and praise? I want to leave this open for a few minutes because I think it's important that we pray. I think we, we come together and pray. I'm going to invite you to come. If this message in any way has spoke to you, I'm talking for real. Get down here. We want to pray with you. That's the truth. What are you waiting on? Your steps are ordered by God, and you're right in God's house. What are you waiting on? This is the pro- You're getting ready to get into the promised land. God's saying, I'm about to fix what you need fixed. What are you waiting on? You should run to it. I'm about to fix something that needs fixed stuck between this place and this anybody been stuck are you stuck get up here if you're stuck anybody got these pains from the past that you're just stuck on and you can't get because something happened to you when you were younger god's got the tool to fix it today god's got the tool to fix it today you want to see that this church in all areas because it's you that make up the church advances in all areas he's wanting to do some surgery today He's won to heal today. So that when you turn and look, you start eating off the land and you shout and take the city. We declare war. But we can shout all we want. We declare war. But if we don't follow the strategy of God, we ain't doing nothing but our own agenda. I'm going to say it again. If this message affected you in any way you need to get to the front of this altar so that we can pray with you I don't know how that's confusing to hear I don't know how somebody don't need to get their ears opened up to understand the reality and the importance of, of healing and what's crazy is that you're on the verge of being healed and you don't want it that's what blows my mind this is the gospel it's the truth it will set you free that's the gospel and that's how serious it is he loves you so much he's like I just want to help you th- I know that this didn't happen Joshua's like I gotta get this knife out I gotta act like this is the knife so guys you gotta come up here I'm sorry your dad didn't do it when you were a kid I'm sorry it happened but I have to fix it God told me that we have to fix it I'm sorry. And he lines them up, but Dad should have done it because here's the reality. Dad was not dead in the wilderness when they were eight eight days old. He just didn't do it. Something just didn't happen. And you wonder why some things happen because in the bottom line, your life is shaped around some of the hurts you've had. And I'm telling you right now, you will not go to the promised land stuck in your past because every time you turn around, You will try to look back at something that you you will never go straight. You will always go at an angle. You will always drift. And then everybody's over here, and somehow you've lifted up up over here because you keep turning your neck back to a situation. And God is like, just keep your eyes on me, the perfecter of your faith. Keep your focus on me. Hallelujah. pray. They're going to sing, go ahead, you can, and we're going to pray. You got something about
2: Said about their pain. Say it again. I can't
0: yeah. That, that he
1: acknowledges their, their pain. Let me, I know what I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I realize that God has taken my pain into consideration.
2: That is so rich. Listen to this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Man, it's got me stirred. Through our union with him, we have experienced circumcision of heart. All of the guilt and power of sin has been cut away and is now extinct because of what Christ, the anointed one, has accomplished for us. For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. This realm of death describes our former state, say former state. For we were held in sin's grasp, but now we've been resurrected out of that realm of death, never to return. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. He canceled out every legal violation. Woo! He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and they cannot be retrieved. Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. If you don't shout at that, look at what he just did. Look what he did. And we can live in it
1: when we surrender our hearts to him. Jesus. Jesus. That's so powerful. Man. He's so good. He's so good. See, when that all was said and done, all that went down and then there's this angel and Joshua comes up and he's like, Are you for us or are you against us? And he's like, I'm neither. I'm for the Lord. It was an angel. And sometimes what we got to be careful with is because we can get so selfish is that, Are you for me or are you against me? Because if so, I'm going to make strategies around my own, my own protection here. Listen, you got to be for the Lord. And I'm telling you right now, God wants to do something incredible, He's He's ready. Are you ready? Are you stuck between this and that? He wants to cut something out. He wants to get rid of whatever it is. He wants to heal it up. He wants you to follow his strategies. We're going to sing. I'm going to pray with them. And i am gonna tell you one more time, if you want to come, we want to pray with you. Just take a moment with where you are, and then we're going to get out of here. And just soak in this word. Go back and reread it. Read what happens next. It's amazing. God has crazy strategies sometimes we don't even realize we just got to quit overthinking them.